When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And now. Hello and welcome back to Sea Red UK. We're quite simply is Chicago Bulls scene. This podcast is part of the Fans First Sports Network, so wherever you're listening, rate, review, subscribe, helps us out and ensures you don't miss another episode. And if you're lucky enough to be watching on YouTube, and if you're not, head on over. And whilst you're there, hit the bell, give us a thumbs up, and leave some comments down below. I'm Matt, and as usual, joined by Neil. How are we doing, Neil? I'm okay. Um, Looking forward to tonight. Uh, We've got something there. Exciting to talk about or to to show everybody and let everybody have a little listen. We have a guest coming on, so always enjoy these episodes. Uh, how are you? Tired. Um, Standard. Obviously, yeah. Had the game last night, didn't we, against Sixers, which we're not going to talk about just yet. We're going to save that for the uh, the chat with the guest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, before that, obviously, since the last episode, Bulls have now played four games. So we're not going to go over every game in great detail, but, you know. Uh, the first one up was the, the loss to Nuggets, 114-106. Talking point in the game for me was that Joker ejection, mm-hmm. which was a joke. It was. Um, you know, and it seemed to start a bit of a thing with the refs that, that night that they were just making, sh- not the refs in that game, but refs throughout the NBA. We're giving techs out and mm. all sorts of just too soft, you know. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the game for Bulls, it was an expected loss. Um, it was, but after Joker was sent off, you'd kind of then think it, it would swing, you know, but the pendulum didn't swing enough. And that was unfortunate. But it look, it was still, I thought it was a good outing by Bulls against them regardless. Yeah, and I mean, you got to remember it's against the reigning champs. They're yeah. a championship team. Regardless of whether Joker's out there or not, it, you know, they're a good team. They, yes. They know how to play. They've been together a few years now. So, yeah. Um, obviously, after that, we then had the sort of double-header in Miami. And we ended up splitting them, as yeah. we kind of predicted. I think you got it the right way around. I got it the I wrong did. way around. Um Obviously, we won the first game, 124-116. And 
I mean, let's be honest, it was a weak Miami team that we were facing. Obviously, no Bam Adebayo, uh, no Tyler Hero. But then let's also not forget that we were doing it without Zach, Lonzo Ball and Caruso, whether yeah. he's injured or not. So, to me, that can't be used as an excuse. In this game, all right, Miami were coming on the back uh, second of a back-to-back, yeah. which maybe played in our favour a little bit. Um, obviously, with it being a win, player of the game was Kobe. Surprise, surprise. Um, continued his streak, his three three pointers, and all that sort of stuff. Twenty six point seven rebounds, uh, eleven assists, and he was four of eleven from three. And four four stars of Chicago were obviously Kobe, Ayo, Demar, and Vooch. Obviously, shout out Ayo in that game as well. Obviously, we lost Caruso after about six minutes, was it? Yeah. Was it? I think it was Vooch stood on him, wasn't it? And Vooch aggravated stood on his the ankle. ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ayo, 24 points, eight rebounds, five assists, one steal. And he just stepped up, especially after the games that he'd had against uh, Bucks. Was it Bucks and Nuggets? Nuggets? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, don't know if you've got anything on that game for the next one. No, um, it was great to, to see them pull out a win. And, you know, it's typical again. I think it was a slow start again, but then they found their feet kind of halfway through the first. And, and they really got into the game then. But they ne- I don't think they let let the Heat take the heat lead again for the whole game, did they? They think they led against the Heat the whole game, wasn't that right? Yeah, I can't remember. I'm kind of blurring the two into one at the moment. On minute, the same, so. I've kind of got the two games blurred <laughs> together. Yeah. So obviously on to that second game. Uh 116, 118 loss. And yeah, obviously Jimmy Butler was a beater. Um and was it this game where we raced out into a big lead and let them just claw it back yeah. and back and back? Like I say, I'm blurring the two into one, so we may have got that wrong, but anyway. Um for me that sort of the thing about it was that last play from Bulls and I'd literally said in the chat the live thread don't go to Vooch because we'd gone through that period where we weren't rebounding it was at the last Mm -hmm. their last four plays or whatever it was we just didn't rebound yeah then at the other end Vooch just wasn't scoring and we go to Vooch and he missed a simple bucket they go yeah. down the other end. Jimmy gets the, you know, I mean, Demar's coming for a lot of criticism in that game, but like we said at the time, to me, that criticism was aimed at the wrong place. Yeah, you can say Demar's hogging the ball too much. They should have gone to Kobe, whatever, because Kobe got hot in that that fourth quarter, didn't he? Um, he did very much so. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, obviously, your guy, P. Will. Best game of the season so far. Mm-hmm. Would have got ball of the game had it been a win, but obviously it wasn't. So, yeah, that's them three games. Like I say, we're going to talk about the Sixers game in the next bit with our guest. And unless you've got anything else, I will send it to the ad read before going to that chat. No, go for it. So, yeah, our partners, our partners at USA Sports. 
is a USA Sports is a UK-based sports merchandise retailer. They cover the NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, as well as Formula One. From hats to hoodies, there's something for fans from everywhere. From Chicago Bulls to Team Red Bull and everywhere in between. So check them out on all the socials and at usasports.co.uk and at checkout, enter the code CREDUK to take advantage of some discount. And you are wearing the hoodie that you've got from there. Oh, on side. There we go. And our guy, Wayne, CRED UK's number one fan. He's just also <laughs> got the same hoodie um, and took advantage himself. So there it is for everyone to Absolutely. see. So, yeah, I'll uh, throw it through to the, the chat. And our guest is Mo Bankston. So, welcome back. And it's a, a welcome into Mo Bankston from, well, from America. Uh, you're obviously a long-time sort of supporter of ours on the socials. And obviously, we follow you on the socials and stuff like that. And as Neil's got going across the bottom, you've done a bit of writing for us. Um, and a bit of a... St- that guy so first and foremost welcome in more and uh thank you over to you neil yeah well we've been trying to get this figured out for quite a while um to get you on to, onto the show with us and um i'm really looking forward to finally getting to properly chat with you i mean like like matt says we have a lot of communication on the socials you've been good enough to do some writing for us on cradeuk.com uh, anyone that hasn't checked that out definitely go ahead and check that out and hopefully we'll get some uh, some more writing out of you in the future but um, welcome to the pod, and do tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Mo. Tell us about your background and how you got involved with the Chicago Bulls, like the rest of you. Sure. Um, so for me, it's being a Bulls fan has really been, I suppose, like a lifelong sort of uh, experience for me. I am orig- so I grew up here in America. I'm from a, a medium small city called Gary, Indiana, which is like. 30 miles outside of downtown Chicago. So I grew up on all Chicago television um, with that, you know, WGN and the Bulls and like the beginnings of what eventually became the dynasty. So um, I think my Bulls fan consciousness like really took root sort of like um, the season before, uh, you know, the Bulls got over the hump against the Pistons in that, uh, that 90-91 season. So like 89-90, uh, was when I really was starting to like seriously consciously understand and watch Bulls games. And um, it was a good time because I at least had the benefit of like experiencing sort of the the climb up the mountain, so to speak, of, you know, all of those challenges with the Pistons trying to like get over the hump. And then that following season, we finally, you know, got the job done. It was such an amazing feeling. And it's just um, – you know, it's just been a, a real deep journey for me with this franchise and this team over the years, um, you know, like pre-Dynasty, Dynasty, obviously, uh, the darkness of like the Tim Floyd era and everything beyond. So that's in a nutshell, like what the, like what my Bulls journey has been like. Yeah, it's been a rollercoaster of emotions. Anyone, anyone that was involved in the Dynasty and since it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a lean years uh, in recent times anyway, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you've been following the Bulls a, a long time, like you say. I'd like to ask everybody's this question just to get a general gist. Um, who's your all-time favourite Bull and your current favourite Bull? 
That's a great question. Um, current favorite bull. I think for anybody that is following me on on what we used to call Twitter X, it you know at this point it's it's certainly Kobe White. I've been a big uh, advocate for his ascension, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. So definitely Kobe at this moment, and all time. I would have to say it's it's a tie for me. Like it's a tie for me between like um, I'd say two role players from the dynasty. One of them is Jason Caffey, just because like even though he, like that's a name that's not spoken nearly enough. I think in all of Bulls Nation, like he didn't have a huge run with the Bulls, but for that small amount of time, I felt like every time he was on the court, he was just um, he just did electric things on both ends of the court. He's such an athletic, uh, you know, big force for coming off that bench. So I would say Jason Cathy is one of the all-time uh, greats. And then Craig Hodges also. I just, I mean, we, I also think in Bulls Nation, like we're starting to lose sight how great of a three-point shooter he was yeah. before three-point shooting was a thing in the NBA. And I mean, he won. If I, I have to go back and look at the history on that. If I remember correctly, it might have been three straight three point con- NBA three point contests. But um, those are the two like all time favorites. And, and like that's I guess that's kind of like a subtext of like how I, like what I think about when it comes to the Bulls is like we always know who the stars are on the team. Right. But I really get into the role players because I feel like that's almost sort of like this subtle mark of like that's how you know who's really watching the games. Like if, like anybody can name, you know, Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. You know, D Rose, Noah, but like, can you talk about, yeah, like somebody like Craig Hodges or, or um, Jason Cavi, or even actually, and then like number three, also, um, I was really into the Nochione, like the Andres Nochione years because, like, he just, it was a madman. Like, uh, yeah. I was just both, yeah, again, on both ends of the floor. I love those kind of guys that come through um, the franchise. And um, Southern Caruso is another one of those right now where it's just like, those sort of like guys off the bench are just like giving their all. For every single minute. So yeah, you're, uh, yeah. you're kind of the blue collar, heart hustle, muscle type players. Oh yeah, for sure. Pretty yeah, uh, pretty similar to me then. Sort of the the underdog, the 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 one you're not supposed to root for, but you do for some reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, those guys do the stuff that. <laughs> hashtag Javante Green. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Very much. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think Matt's really over the Javonte Green situation yet. <laughs> no, I won't be until yeah, I see yeah. him playing again. To be fair, <laughs> yes. So, obviously, in the hour earlier bit, we spoke about the three earlier games that we haven't spoke about. Last night we um, beat Sixers. Uh, obviously, I know you was watching because you was doing your your Twitter thread. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was your general? take on the game what i liked about it um yeah so last night as i was watching the game i was watching it really with the lens on how the bulls were defending that's been sort of like that's just been a kick i've been on recently is looking at the bulls defense within these last few games um primarily because i think like there's been so much like if you you expand the context of things right like we like i feel like at in the aggregate, Bulls Nation has been talking about the offense. All, you know, it was the conversation all summer. It was the conversation throughout all the preseason. 
And it's, you know, I feel like the offense is finding some footing, obviously, you know, with, with Kobe's performance recently and, and sort of like, I guess the addition by subtraction of Zach Levine, um, the defense is what's interesting to me right now, because I, I think now um, you're starting to see, you know, what might this defense look like? What might this defense really need long-term going forward to also turn the defense around? I mean, it's two sides of the court. Um, I thought the Bulls last night against the Sixers, they were in the right place energy-wise in the first half for defense with the Sixers. And um, I've watched actually quite a few Sixers games over the years. Um, coincidentally, I lived in Philadelphia for a few years, had friends there. So, like, I keep up with, with my Sixers fans friends quite a bit. I've seen a few of their games. Um, it was a it was a game. I thought what, what we did differently last night that was helpful was um, we really were active attacking the Sixers in the half court, getting, you know, getting hands up, getting deflections, um, you know, really trying to pressure the ball. Like from my, like my observation, I, I thought the Bulls were great at pressuring the ball as much as they could last night. To just generate those those um, sort of trademark deflections, mm-hmm. get things going in fast break. Um, it it felt like it felt like the Bulls like had a good sense of tempo and control and urgency on the defensive end, to where the Sixers never really got away from the game or get, you know took took the game away from us. Um, so we we're able to stay in in that first half. Great. The third quarter. I mean, there's there's a bit of um, run that the Sixers had, but like what impressed me and what gave me some confidence about that game is that we still stuck with with them um, in the third quarter and then the fourth quarter. I mean, you just it felt like a very cohesive effort offensively in terms of you know getting to the clutch time and just making all the smart plays um, to just you know pull out a tough road game. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you and. To say the word clutch about this Chicago Bulls team was something that we would never have been able to do at the start of the season because they couldn't have been any less clutch. But it's beginning to feel more and more like if we're close towards the the end of the fourth quarter that we now, or I do anyway, I feel like we now have a chance to take it. Whereas before, if it was close, I was like, oh, well, this is over. Do you know, whereas now it, it feels different. For me anyway, everything's beginning to feel a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, obviously we ran out 108, 104 winners. Uh, it was a bit of a slow start again, which, yeah, you know, you were kind of expected to. Well, personally, I was expecting a blowout loss, um, and that, that's testament now to this this new version of the Bulls, shall we say, um, the fact that it wasn't, you know, because I don't think there would be anybody around the NBA that was expecting us to beat Sixers last night. Um, especially when you watch what Joel Embiid was doing, as much as he was flopping and stuff like that. But obviously, going back to what you said about the, the defense, more um, one of the surprising things for me was Demar Derozan got four steals. You know, and for somebody who doesn't play defense, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I generally, I think Demar had a bit of a not a bad game. It wasn't the sort of game that you expect from him. But if he can put that sort of effort in on the defensive end to get the four steals, and he kind of lets Kobe and P. Will do the damage, obviously Vooch a little bit, then that's the perfect version of Damar, really. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll we'll speak later on about 
your ideas of blowing it up or keep it going or whatever you what your ideas are um but how do you think Vooch did last night because for us he was a bit of a we was up and down with him um until the fourth <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a perfect way of describing it and i think that was my feeling watching Vooch last night um anyway, one of the first tweets i had in my thread um like i thought the first few defensive possessions Vooch actually looked like he was holding his own against MB, like on ball with MB. Um, he, you know, he's a, he was at least moving his feet. He was staying in front of MB. Um, certainly, that changed not to Vooch's, uh, I guess, positive sentiment um, throughout the game. But early on, he looked like he was ready to defend. Um, and I think, like thinking back to last night, I think. Probably what helped Vooch was I have to I have to think about like or have to rewatch like how like the approach that we I think the underrated story also is probably that we're able to get Joe and B into like foul trouble um, as early as we did and, you know hanging five fouls on him is is quite the story when typically you know he's at the line like you know twenty thirty free throws a game or something crazy like that so um, to just turn the tables on B and, and have him in foul trouble. Um, that probably, I would assume, uh, helped Vooch's case as well to, like, not get completely cooked all night. Especially yeah, in the right? Yeah. Yeah, because obviously getting him into that foul trouble took Embiid away from Vooch when it mattered, and it allowed him to hit them three-pointers in the fourth and or the, the one three-pointer that I remember him scoring. Um, yeah. But they were kind of, they ended up hiding Embiid on defence, didn't they? So that he didn't foul out, and I mean, I don't know if either of you remember last season when we beat him. I'm pretty sure we made him foul out in that game as well. I'd... Yeah, I think we went to, we went to OT right, and yeah, it went crazy then, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. then got yeah got him out with six. Yeah, yeah. So... And he's a, he's a tough matchup. Like, just nothing you can really do to take him away. Um, you know, if you look at it from a box course perspective, probably what helped as well is. You know, we, I have to think like part of the game planning was, you know, you know what MB is going to do game to game. You can't really take that away. But yeah. the other four guy, other four Sixers on, on the court, right? Like, seems like we held them in check. Yeah. And it's like we always, yeah. it's like we always say with people like Yanis, all you can do is hope to slow them down. You've got to stop the rest of the team. And obviously, apart from when Maxi got that a little bit hot in the, Sort of the fourth, the start of the fourth, wasn't it? When Embiid was sat, I thought we did a good job on the rest of the team. There was a couple of moments where you think, "What's, what's going on here? We're, we're going to throw this away." But like people seem to forget that we're doing this without, obviously, with sixty million worth of talent. And obviously, Tory Craig was sat last night as well, which yeah. you know the last few games, Tory Craig's been massive off the bench for us. Um. I mean, obviously, I know we've spoke a little bit, Neil, but what were your sort of general things from last night? Mine? Yeah. Um, what I found was, to, to talk about what you were saying there about Vooch and Embiid, I thought that Vooch, like you say, initially was doing quite a good job inside or as good a job as you can do with Embiid. And credit to, credit to Embiid, 
he then took his game outside a little bit further and started shooting from distance. And that's where Vooch started kind of getting a little bit lost because he didn't know whether to go out to him uh, or whether to to hang back. Because the problem is you move out on that, on Embiid and he's well, well able to put the ball on the floor and take, take it to the basket. And that's what makes him so potent and dangerous is he can score from, for a big guy, he can score from pretty much anywhere on the floor. And I, I just think that considering... Vooch struggles against those kind of better centers around the league. Um, it was not a bad effort defensively, even though Embiid still got his numbers um, by Vooch for the night. He was up and down offensively, which, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. But um, I certainly thought that defensively, Vooch, he didn't collapse anyway. He didn't fall apart um, against Embiid, which we've seen him do before. Um, yeah. As for the rest of the team, it never really felt at any point like anyone else on the Sixers, apart from Embiid and Maxi, was doing any major damage to us. Mm. And I think that is the the credit that the Bulls need to be receiving as to why they actually took this game, because they nullified everybody else and minimised the damage from Embiid and um, Maxi as much as they possibly could. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, when you watch Sixers, um, I, I feel like historically in the Sixers, like in the NBA era, there's always been sort of like two gear shifts to like how the Sixers play, you know, with NBA on the floor and without, you know, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, the Sixers really don't get in the transition frequently or run much if NBA's on the floor. But when you, you know, and you, and you saw it last night, you know, and B goes and takes a seat on the bench. That's when the running starts with the Sixers. Yeah. And I thought, like, we were great in transition defense last night in the first half to where um, we were really cutting off anything that they were trying to get in the first half in transition with Embiid on the on the bench. Um, second half was a little more concerning. And, and, again, I think that's where they started to make their run in the third quarter is when you know, they had Embiid, you know, once Embiid sat down and Maxi started going off. Um, but that was a big – I think that was a big – um, sort of inflection point defensively it was, it was just, just being able to w- withstand that barrage in the third quarter from uh, you know Maxi sort of taking over and you know, sort of opening up the floor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean obviously it was a Bulls win so we give out our Bull of the game which um, obviously Neil was very excited about with it going to P. Will. Um, we, we just sort of felt with him it was you knew he was there um you know and it kind of carried over from the last heat game which we lost you know because as we said earlier if if we'd have beaten heat in that second game then p will definitely got the, the bull of the game in that as well was it 25 points whatever he got and it was just solid but obviously with p will he started to get the boards as well now i mean he got six rebounds last night i mean it, Stat-wise, he wasn't the best at all last night in terms of the, the team. But it was just the fact that he didn't disappear at any point, which he has, kind of has done in the past. Um, and obviously, the rest of the four stars, we had Kobe second, which obviously we'll, we'll get on to Kobe in a minute. Uh, Caruso making his return for, for now. We uh, was third. And then obviously Vooch got the fourth one off Neil's sort of decision um, late in the fourth as well. Well, I wasn't going to put Vooch in there, but I 
when he hit that three, I was like, yeah, that's it. He's he's come <laughs> up when we needed it. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, apart from that, the only other player, well, everyone kind of stood out, but Javon Carter, I think, deserves a lot of credit as well because he hit four of eight threes. I mean, he hit twelve points, and there was all from three. Yeah. They were when we needed them, and I think Drummond as well had a, a solid sort of game back in Vooch up. And I mean, you know what you get with Drummond. He took the charge from MB. That was like money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was that little bit of sort of shithousery from the one when he left the Philadelphia fans starving because they didn't get the chicken nuggets or whatever it was they get. Oh, and he told them <laughs> to simmer down. <laughs> simmer yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, obviously, moving on from that, you know, we know you're a big Kobe fan. I was on the Kobe train all last year as well. Um, I know you ran the, the cut the check for Kobe last year. As you can see from our little name things, Neil's got is Kobe him, and I've got Kobe is him, and that that wasn't pre-planned. That was just pure <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'll hand it over to you more about Kobe. You know, what is it about Kobe that you just well, you wanted him to cut the check for basically? Yeah. Um, one of the things actually. I have to like I have to give it a good framing um, to be completely honest. So th- going back to last season, before January of, of last season, I was completely on board with like, yeah, let's let's trade Kobe. Like it's time. Uh, like Kobe was definitely high on my trade candidate list as far as anybody like com- you know getting near that trade deadline. What changed it for me last season was um, the game we had. Jan, you know, calendar year January of, of last season, earlier this year, against the Warriors. That was, to me, the breakout moment where um, I saw Kobe White in a completely different light. I saw Kobe White actually affecting the game on the defensive end for the first time. Like, he had some amazing defensive stops against um, the one that's popping in my head now. And I, got, I tweet a lot about that, actually. Um you know, he was taking on Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, you know, clear size advantage, really big guard, but like Kobe was like attaching himself to him, stopping him, like just staying in front of the ball. Um, I saw, you know, Kobe doing closeouts, like to to effect for the first time. It just all all these things on that defensive end in that Warriors game, it, it at least like piqued the interest. And then from that point on, I just noticed like more and more Kobe was committing to the defensive end. And his offense was like still, you know, sort of like not necessarily burning up the, the stat sheet or the box score, but even with his offense, I started to notice more judgment, more sort of like I guess you call it court IQ, court vision, where um, it wasn't all just like three pointers anymore. But you saw Kobe with that improved handle start to figure out how to really attack and get downhill and get to the rim and contribute offense that wasn't just three point shooting anymore. Um, because I think like one of the main reasons why, like I myself, like so many other sort of Bulls fans who might have been out on Kobe, you know, I, I definitely had a feeling that like there was a time where like either Kobe was hitting three point shots or he was unplayable. Mm-hmm. And the evolution and the, the improvement of his handle, that was the, it was really those two things that set off what became really the you know the cut that check for Kobe movement 
uh, that you know carried into the summer is just seeing that there was actually so there were some skills there that could be serviceable, and then I think you factor that in with there wasn't really like it wasn't like there was a huge point guard market out there in free agency to tap mm-hmm. into if if we decide to go away from Kobe. So um, holding on to Kobe, I, th- I just thought that was the right move, and like to I mean. What he's doing right now is like way beyond anything I would have imagined. Like to me, it was, you know, extend Kobe to allow him to continue to grow and develop and be, uh, you know, serviceable, serviceable starting point guard. And now I'm like, my current thinking now is with this heater he's, beyond, he's been on at this point, it's probably time not like we're beyond just like, oh, start Kobe. To me, Kobe White should really be auditioned to be like a long term number one for the Bulls at this point. That's not to say that I believe he's going to be that, but I think you at least have to like give him the maximum runway, give him the maximum usage at this point to see like, can he hold these kind of numbers he's showing right now if you truly sort of remove the impediments from his usage? And I mean, bluntly, that's DeMar and Zach Levine. Um, if you were look at the usage rate of the Bulls right now, it's, you know, Kobe, actually the funny thing is I looked at basketball reference earlier this morning uh, somehow Andre Drummond has higher usage has a higher usage rate than Kobe right now, which makes no sense. But you know that's just to sort of underscore the point. Like long term roster construction, sort of thinking about Kobe, I, I think we're at a point where like he's demonstrated enough to where it's not unreasonable anymore to think about like yeah, you actually might want to build around Kobe at least for the next season or two and see what we get out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I fully agree with that now and. Kind of like yourself, I was uh, I was on the. It's time for Kobe to go. We've we've seen all we can see out of him, like that. If he's not hitting his threes, and and we know he was renowned for being this streaky shooter, uh, when he got hot, he was unbelievable. But there was just way too long in between him getting hot and him not getting hot. And in that, you know, meantime, it, you just had an abyss where he was hitting nothing. Um, and I was definitely I was I was almost out, but Matt wouldn't let me go. Matt held on to me off the, off the edge of that fence and said, no, 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 no. Hang in there with Kobe. Hang in there. Give him another few another few months and see. And, and yeah, you know, all credit to you, Matt. You were absolutely correct. And I don't think even you thought we would see the improvement. It's certainly the, the level of improvement over the period of time that we've had to see what Kobe has become and is still becoming. And I absolutely agree that, we are at the point now where we need to start having a conversation. Is it time to look into the future and the future being building around Kobe and Pat's coming along with him and IO's coming up there too. Um, and that's for the first time. It's, it feels like we have a young core that we can build on and go forward. Even though they're the same players we've had the whole time, they've all kind of almost started to take that movement together. Um, now, whether or not that is or isn't anything to do with the fact that it coincides with Zach Levine <laughs> not playing, it, it, it's kind of hard to tell. And maybe we, we will or we won't find out when Zach does or doesn't come back in a Bulls jersey. But um, I'm kind of at the stage now where I'm almost interested to see what it would be like if Zach does come back, just to see if he really is the factor that's affecting this one way or another. Yeah, um, I mean, just obviously staying with Kobe. When we did our season preview for him, whatever you want to call it, 
and I said about the leadership coming on. What you just said then about the confidence in Kobe seems to have brought on P. Will and mm -hmm. Io. I'm pretty sure that's what I said in terms of him becoming that leader. If the other young players can see him take that step and become a leader and a voice in the locker room, you know, we see it all the time. He's straight over to P. Will. He's basically mm -hmm. P. Will sort of, you know, everyone used to say that it's Dale and Terry that was going to be the one that lights the fire in P. Will. But it's not, it's Kobe. Uh, I think it's just because Kobe knows how to how to talk to him and what to say to him to to get him not necessarily fired up, but his head in the game. And, yeah. you know, obviously we've seen all the videos where Kobe's on the sidelines talking now and everybody's listening to him. They've all, everyone seems to just gravitate to him and I don't know if it's because of this, this run of form that he's on. Um, and like you said, even I didn't expect this sort of run. I mean, I, I was saying that Kobe should have been off the bench at the start of the season. And that wasn't a knock on him. It was just because the sort of player that Kobe has been previously, I thought that suited his game better. Um, obviously, we need to see if this is going to be sustainable, this, this run of form that he's on. But obviously, traditionally, he's a, a streaky shooter. But for me, what he's doing now is, if the shot's not falling, he either keeps shooting it anyway, he's not getting in his own head about it, or he's finding a different way to score. As we saw last night when he drove the lane and dunked over Embiid, pretty much. Um, you know, that that's not something we've seen from Kobe before consistently. But he's there a lot more now. And even when he's not scoring, he's impacting the games in, in different ways with the rebounds. I mean, all right, a lot of the time, just fall into him, he's in the right place. But... It's a, to me that's showing his IQ. He knows where to be on the court and stuff like that. And defensively, he's he's stepped up massively. I think you know, his his stats defensively probably don't show it, but like I say, he just seems to know to be in the right place, as he was last night when Embiid was going to the rim. Uh, he didn't yes. touch the ball, but he was in the way and it threw Embiid off. Um, so yeah. Obviously, like you just said, Neil, is it down to the fact that Zach has gone out? You know, obviously, we know the run of form that we're on since Zach's gone out. We know the run of form Kobe's on. I also did say I don't think Kobe and Zach can play together, but, you know, don't know if that's all part of this. So, obviously, for you, Mo, where are you at at the minute with this team? You know, are you see what we've got without Zach, move everybody else as well, Crusoe, Damar, whoever it happens to be, or you know, do you want to see Zach back in the team? You know, where, where are you at with it at the minute? Yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm very much in, in the camp of, yeah, this is the latest hashtag. I'm, I'm very much replaced the core. Um, like, yeah. I, I, can, I can understand some some folks that have like a point of view that says like, oh, like now that the young guys are coming along, let's see what we can do with, you know, you know keeping you know, one of one or two of, of the quote unquote big three. Um, I just don't see a path to where like long term that's raising the bar for the Bulls at this point. Um, I feel like the 
you know, Vooch, DeMar, and Zach, they've been given a fair shot at this point over three seasons to demonstrate, you know, what they're capable of achieving. And I mentioned it even last season. I just – I don't see the fit with those three as our core anymore. Um, absent a healthy Lonzo Ball, which, you know, I think, we'll, you know, most people aren't counting that at all anymore. It just – I, I don't see where like you can trust that core to win, even just win regular season games at this point. It's not like I feel like we've regressed from like even being able to count ourselves in, as a playoff team at this point. Um, so the where I'm at with this team, this very like the goal for this rest of this season should be maximizing our development of Kobe, Pat, and Io. And even now, like, it's been interesting to see that Billy's starting to give some runway to Dale and Terry. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. probably an opportunity now at this moment, this stretch of games. If we continue, like, giving Dale and Terry the minutes he's getting, I think this is at least enough of a sample size to determine, like, can we trust Dale and Terry to at least be, like, uh, a legit NBA defender? I think he has that potential if he, you know, continues to have this run. So he's ironing out his mistakes, right? Um, I, I don't trust him offensively, but at least defensively, you know, he is, you see him moving his head, you see him, you know, at least giving the effort. So I think that's to be commended and he should be given a shot to do that. Um, I like if, if, if we were still playing Zach 30 something minutes game, we know what we would see from Dale and Terry, we would see, you know, the, the Windy City Bulls aside tweet like every other day and he might get a garbage time, a sniff of garbage time. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, we just have to be honest with like what the what is the context of this Bulls team right now, even though like the last stretch, of, you know, last five, ten stretches of games has been good and we're seeing some improvement. I wouldn't get too attached to that. Like this is the moment where it's like it's time to evaluate your entire roster construction as if it is like a construction project. You need to know like how you're going to build a foundation at this point. Because I don't think we have a foundation yet. We might, I think we're at a point where we can say maybe we're, we're pouring concrete, but we haven't set a foundation yet. Yeah. I mean, obviously the first sort of block that is likely to move is going to be Zach. Um, We know that. And what we're seeing at the minute isn't life after Zach. It's maybe more life without Zach because he is still there. Because obviously, after Zach, you're going to get these other pieces coming in. I mean, obviously, it depends which reports you believe, whether it's Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell or Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes. And for me, whichever way they go with it, if it is one of them deals, people seem to forget that them players are going to have to fit into this rotation that Billy runs. I mean, obviously, we know that Billy doesn't like to change the rotations all that much as it is you know so obviously we're seeing what it's like without zach and was it a nine-man rotation last night in the absence of yeah, tory yeah. craig and you know so if you then add harrison barnes and kevin herter or like I say hachimura and d'angelo russell whose minutes are they taking and this is to me now where ak's got to make his mind up of what direction are we going are we going to give the keys to Kobe and P. Will and I O and build around them and bring these pieces in that actually fit them rather than trying to replace Zach as such. I mean, 
obviously you've seen the, the latest rumours that Zach may not actually end up going this season. He may still yeah. be here after the February the 8th deadline. It's it's dragging on too much now, and obviously every day there's a different story coming out. I mean, me and Neil were just discussing before we hopped on about this whole where we're at at the minute with it, and I just want it to be over with. To be fair, you know, obviously if like the likes Hachimura and Russell come in, they're easier to move than Zach anyway, or their contracts are easier to move. But you know, what, what sort of deal do you see us getting for Zach and do you actually see him moving before the deadline? Yeah, it's it's interesting that even like the, the just did that leak of oh Zach might consider staying or you know it's a possibility that might happen. It I mean I suppose you could draw an implication that you know maybe all those reports of there's no market for Zach are like starting to solidify as, you know, the reality that, you know, maybe there just isn't a deal that's in the Bills' best interest. If that's the case, um, I see like sort of a spectrum of two things. I mean, I, you know, we're sitting here, we're fans, we don't know anything of what's going on in the, in the locker room every day. I can only like hypothesize if, if it's, I mean, it's like two things, like, you know, is Zach willing to buy into what this roster is capable of doing and sort of, I guess, the philosophy of the game plan or whatever you want to call it that Billy Donovan's trying to achieve game to game. Um, I think that's a question or a conversation that has to be answered as far as like bringing Zach or, or like maintaining Zach on the roster. Um, if that isn't the case and Zach really wants out, allegedly or supposedly, um, I thought about this today. Somebody like, um, you know, I'll shout uh, Melissa. We all, she's, like Bill's queen, uh, Bill's Twitter queen. Um, I, I tweeted her, um, you know, we should think about Zach. If he's going to stay on this roster past trade deadline, I feel like give him the uh, Al Horford treatment that he got in, in when, he was with, uh, when he got traded to OKC. OKC just shut him down and told him, to like, you know, chill out for the rest of the year. And they shipped him off in the summer. Uh, however they dealt him. Like, that's something that should be on the table, honestly. If, if it's... If it's not like you can't mend the fences with Zach, he doesn't want to be here anymore, and you can't get the trade done. It's not unprecedented either. Like you know, he's you know the star players that won out. Sometimes you just might have to shut that person down for the season and allow the team to move on. Yeah, I mean, as me and Neil were saying before, it kind of feels like it's all been manufactured by like clutch sports at the minute. You know, to these stories all of a sudden come out when there's no market for Zach. All of a sudden, it's well, Lakers in our only option. It's not Lakers or or nothing. You know, we do fancy the Kings as well. However, mm. if we can work it out, he's happy to stay in Chicago. And Zach's whole body language seems to have changed around the team. On, I mean, uh, he's been you no know, credit to him whether he wanted to or not, but he's been on the bed like in the. In the, on the bench the last few games traveling around with the team looks excited by what the team's actually doing and stuff like that and you kind of think to yourself if you could get how this team is at the minute and good Zach to blend 
that's probably the vision that AK had, what, three years ago now, isn't it? Um, but, you know, obviously the next one sort of in that core is, is Damar, really. And obviously that's, we need to work out what we're doing with Damar. Are we extending him? Are we going to trade him before it gets to that point? Or are we going to let him walk? And Or, you know, is is Damar actually the problem? Or is, as we've seen a few times this year, he'll quite happily sit back and let the young guys take over. Um, so where are you at with Damar? Would you, do you want to see him stay? Or I know you've got the hashtag that you just said, but <laughs> move the call yeah. three, but. Yeah, I think with Damar, um, I, I would definitely, you know, I've seen an you know, adjustment in his game since, uh, you know, Zach has been sidelined to where, yeah, you've seen more of, I guess you could call it like, you know, Spurs Demar. His assist numbers are going up, definitely facilitating a lot more. Um, the the still like the closing minutes just to me have felt like a bit clunky. Where like it still isn't. Like I, I mean, to be blunt, I, I feel like it has to be explicitly said at this point that like Demar Kobe's closing. Like you you see it where like the Demar the ball up and dribbling and like defenses are collapsing on him and um not the miami game uh or maybe i mean like there's been a few moments um these last two or three games where like you know it's been less than two minutes in the fourth quarter and demar's doing his demar thing and like people are just like assaulting him practically and he's barely holding on to the ball. It's, it's kind of getting like, I'm kind of over that at this point. And I'm just like, yeah. Mar, like move the ball. Yeah. Um, so I think for the good of helping Kobe, helping Pat, helping these young guys learn how to close games, that's enough for me to say like move, move DeMar, not that he's bad or detriment. I just think the context isn't there anymore to where it makes sense to like have DeMar closing games. Um, especially, yeah, expiring deal. DeMar might not be closing games whether we like it or not next season. So, like, it's better just to get ahead of that and get something of value back for him. That's kind of where I'm at with DeMar. Yeah. It's it's a pity, actually, that DeMar hasn't had the foresight to start adjusting his game in the clutch to where if he does bring the ball up, he knows that defense is going to collapse on him because they all know full well that that's his, his go-to. And then they could quite easily open up a play or write up a play where when the, as soon as that defense collapses on him, he swings the ball out and it moves around to somebody else because that would be unexpected. I mean, that would be, that would be something that nobody else would have drawn a play up to counteract because everyone knows it's going to DeMar. He's going to go ISO. He's going to pump fake, try and get to the line and, and possibly win the game that way. But, um, you would think with a player who has that amount of experience and who has adjusted that he still hasn't quite realized that that's the moment to default to the younger guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you kind of feel that, I mean, this is to both of you, the, the, the recent form of Kobe, you know, he's, he's now on teams, you know, checklist, isn't he, before a game now. The, yeah. the, they've got to work out how to defend him. And while they're trying to work out how to defend Kobe, it's kind of leaving Demar open a little bit more. And then all of a sudden they realise, oh, we need to double team Demar, which then leaves Kobe open. And 
it, you know, it's obviously a new problem for defences. And do you think that's something that could work moving forward? The the Demar, Kobe duo, basically. Well, I think that's the one-two punch that they were always hoping for with Zach and Demar, and mm. that never really kind of evolved the way they hoped it would. Um, whether it would work with with Kobe, I don't know. It, it, like I say, it means Demar has to be willing to see enough of the game to realize that his time isn't always his time. Sometimes his time is to make it somebody else's time. Like the greatest player of all time that used to play for our wonderful basketball club, two major, major end of game clutch plays that we all know about from the dynasty era. Jordan passed the ball to an open three point shooter. You know, he had that foresight. Of course, Jordan had so much more than most players do anyway, but Demar needs to realize that he can still be a key part of that offense and that clutch play, but it doesn't necessarily mean he has to put up the shot. It just means he has to affect their defense enough to leave somebody else open to shoot. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, we you know we just talked about sort of the evolution of Demar in these last, you know, th again this Zach this Zach less stretch of, of Bulls games where he's being more facilitator. Um, the challenge might be, I mean, if, if we, if, if there is a hope for DeMar and Kobe somehow coexisting, um, I think the challenge for Zach is, I mean, I'm sorry, the challenge for DeMar at this point is he has to be like open to like being all in or off ball DeMar. Like that, like that, that hasn't been a traditional part of his game. I, I'd like to think that he might be, like reinvent that era of his game at this point that to me that's that that would have to be the um condition or the criteria for like seeing a kobe demar long-term pairing where like can demar really be someone who is going to be just as engaged in the cutting and sort of the coming off screens aspect of his game without dribbling as he would be doing you know all the things that we know he's capable of doing um, yeah. The thought that yeah, the the play I was thinking about, um, yeah, it was that um, that last that last offensive possession in the Miami game that you know a lot of people scrutinized, a lot of people like uh, got up in arms about where you know Vooch dribbles to the rim. That was a prime opportunity where Demar could have, like, from my perspective, like the original idea I had when I re looked at that clip, like to me, Demar should. Uh, cut. Um, uh, I, I have to give credit to Troy. Troy liked that idea. So Troy from Australia, he tweeted that. Yeah, shout out Troy. That point. Yeah, and then uh, I ended up having a nice conversation uh, with Troy and then uh, Mark K from CHGO about that. Um, there's a lot of things that DeMar could have did, right? Like, I think he could have cut. Uh, if you used to get the answer from Mark K, he said, you know, he probably should have cut towards Mooch. Maybe screen, maybe Vooch actually should just dump the ball off. There are a lot of things that could happen in that possession, but it just seemed like Demar. Maybe he's like I'm just thinking. Maybe Demar is is still like sort of like coming to terms like what it means when the ball is not in his hand when it's you know less than one minute left in a fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, just on Demar, sort of last night, obviously Nick Nurse knows him better than most in the league. Um, I kind of felt that Sixers defended him how Raptors used to defend him when Nick Nurse was there. Um, they just basically cut him out of the game. And what was good to see was the fact that for once, everybody else kind of stepped up in, not in the absence of him, but in the the sort of the lack of Demar, basically. Uh, this the last player I'm going to ask you about more, Alex Caruso. Obviously, his value is as high as it's it's going to ever be at the minute. Where do you sit on on Caruso at the minute? You know, do you, do you want to see us move him now? Or do we just run it out with him? Trade AC tonight, <laughs> because it, it, for that very like because his value is sky high right now. He's playing the best offense of his career, like at this moment. And um, I cringe every single time he's taking the court because we all know what sort of effort he gives. And yeah. it's you know I if you it's just like it's like you have you know you have the winning lottery ticket in your hand. It's just like flailing around. <laughs> I feel like that's what we're doing, or what the Bulls are doing every night, putting AC yeah. on the court. Um, I I would be very happy with two first round picks for AC. Um, it, it's yeah. like I don't understand what what Acme is thinking as far as like, oh, it has to be like this massive haul. Um, to be perfectly honest, it seems like based on the reporting, AC is commanding more trade value than Zach is ever going to command at this moment. So it's like get that out of the way, and he, like that probably would take less of that would take some of the friction out of like trying to figure out a good Zach deal because the problem is like you're trying to force this Zach trade and nobody's taking on that, but yet you have something clearly way more valuable. Like set the market for yourself in in a logical way where it's like get the value, take your value in an AC right now to where you don't have to try to play hardball in a Zach trade. Like that's just like my logic about it, but yeah, I'm not AK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, we spoke last week about whether we trade it AC or not, and the the more it goes on, I'm I'm really leaning towards, like you say, trade him tonight. You know, do pick up the phone and actually make the calls as well, rather yeah. than waiting for the calls to come in, and. We've been saying for quite a while, or since we spoke about it, don't add Caruso into a Zach trade. But the more I look at it now, I'm kind of thinking if that boosts the value of Zach, then throw him in. You know, if if we get that extra player, the the extra pick, whatever it happens to be, and it basically gets rid of Zach, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we are sitting here talking about some way of getting rid of Zach Levine. I mean, <laughs> like he's some like problem child kind of player. I mean, the guy is an all star. He is an absolute bucket. Um, and, you know, he, he has been nothing but good and positive for this team, yet here we are, and, and we are in a position where it sounds like there's nobody interested in taking him. It now looks like he was an overpay, and and we're struggling to possibly shift him and play him better without him. It, it's, it blows my mind. It's crazy. 
but it's where we are. Yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah, because I mean, you know, this much I'll say, like, I mean, Zach is a lead NBA scorer. Um, mm. Like, he is a walking bucket. And it's, yeah, it is crazy that there isn't a market out there for that, um, especially as wide open things are. I feel like in both conferences and certainly the play has changed the trajectory of teams and where the team, you know, it seems like they've been much more open-minded to like, go, you know, make moves to try at least be competitive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and we saw AK do that three years ago and we kind of need to see him do it again, but get over the this whole thing of keeping hold of these players that, were his initial moves, like Caruso, do you know what I mean? Because we're going to end up lessening the value the longer we keep hold of them. And, you know, something needs to be needs to be done before the deadline, yeah. basically. That, that's where I'm at with it. The, the problem I have with AC as well, though, is um, my daughter is a huge Caruso fan and she just got a Caruso jersey and... She's going to be devastated if he leaves the ball. So I'd have to try and explain it to her that it's all for the better good. Yeah. Just don't tell her. Just don't tell her. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Injured. yeah. Keep down the rash. Yeah. <laughs> well, unless there's uh, anything else that you want to bring up and talk about, Mo, I think um, we're uh, we're pretty much through everybody we wanted to discuss. Um, no, I, I feel like, yeah, we've covered good ground. I, I would just say, you know, um, I have to give you guys thanks because like in my entire history of like being like exclusively bulls focused on sort of like tweets and that stuff, like you guys were like very much like one of the first people to really like, um, sort of, yeah, just like support the put out into the world. So thank you for that. Um, definitely enjoyed like the you know the rope for you guys already and looking forward to writing more good stuff about our beloved bulls yes absolutely more more stuff uh for people to read and for us to enjoy as well because uh what you've written so far has all been very very good good stuff anyone that hasn't checked it out definitely go ahead and check it out on cradeuk.com and tell us mo where can people find you on the socials you can find me on the artist formerly known as twitter um <laughs> X app, I guess is what we call it now. And, uh, Mo Banks 10. Yeah. And awesome. uh, Mo does game threads and uh, is always tweeting stats and plays and breakdowns. And it's all really, really good quality stuff. So if you don't check him out already and give him a follow, make sure that you do. Appreciate yeah. It. And obviously, I just want to say, obviously, obviously, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you giving us your time. Appreciate the writing that you do for us. Um, and hopefully this is just the first of many appearances on the pod with us as well. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to it. But yeah, Definitely. I'm, uh, appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So thanks very much, Mo. And uh, hopefully we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Welcome back. Um, great to get Mo on finally. Uh, yeah. It's been, it's been in the works for a while. Um, as he said to us, his his personal schedule changed quite a lot. We're struggling a little bit with scheduling as ourselves at the minute. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, good to finally get him on. And as we said to him, appreciate 
the time he's just given us and the time he gives when he's writing the pieces for cradiouk.com. So, yeah, uh, don't know if you've got anything else before we go into the predictions for the next few games. No, not, not at all. Um, like you say, it was great to get Mo on. Um, uh, we've, we've been texting or uh, sending messages back and forth for a long time, so it's good to actually have a conversation with him. So uh, thanks for joining us, and if you don't follow him, make sure that you do. Yeah. So, obviously, like we just said, struggling with scheduling at the minute. Obviously, we've got Christmas coming up. So we're not 100% sure when we're going to be back because um, I've got like my daughter's birthday coming up and stuff like that, which is good timing just before Christmas. Um, <laughs> and obviously we're... <laughs> 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 um... <laughs> yeah, you've thrown me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously... It's all about family time at this time of year, and we'll we'll throw an episode out when when we get a chance. We will still be watching the games, and obviously that's what we're going to get onto now. Predictions for the next possibly four games, I think it's going to work out to be. So, obviously, back at the UC tomorrow to face the Lakers, um, the in-season tournament champions. Raised the banner last night and then lost. Yeah. Also, and, and raised the banner up with all the championship banners, so they're obviously putting some serious stock in this uh, in this in-season tournament win. Yeah, and I mean, even LeBron didn't look impressed when it was getting raised. He was just kind of stood staring, and yeah, like I say, they then went out and else, not him. <laughs> well, and then obviously, like I say, they went out and lost to the Knicks. Um, that's after breaking Spurs Street last week as well when they lost to them. So yeah. congratulations on your in-season tournament. Well done. <laughs> and on to the game tomorrow. Uh, no, I think I before last... Shaming. I love a bit of Lakers shaming. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, on to tomorrow's game. Now, I think before last night's game, LeBron and AD were both listed as questionable. Both ended mm. up playing. I don't know what that means for them moving into tomorrow. You know, I don't think they care now. They've won the in-season tournament. They're maybe given up. Yeah. So, Once they qualify for the playoffs, they'll switch it back on again. Then. Yeah, exactly. So, what? Where? Where are you at with it? Obviously, it is the first of a back-to-back for us as well. Yeah, um, I think we win it. I'm going to go for a win. Uh, I think we've got enough in the tank at the moment. I think we're playing well enough, and I think uh, I think we owe it to LeBron and AD to to take a game off them. Yeah, I'm I'm going to second that. I'm going for the win as well. And then, like I say, it is the first of a back to back because on the following night we face Wemby possibly and the San Antonio Spurs mm-hmm. again. Uh, like I say, Lakers did break their streak last week, so we haven't yeah. got that to worry about now. Um, no. However, you just do feel like it's a bit of a trap game against a team like Spurs, especially because of the form we're on. Obviously, what, six and three in the last nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you going for? Yeah, I definitely think it, it, it has the potential to be a trap game, uh, 100%. 
And I think if the Spurs still had their uh, their losing streak going, I would actually have gone for a loss. But I think the fact that they've already broken it, they can set themselves up for a new losing streak. And, uh, and I'm going to say we take this one as well. Yeah, um, I was going to say the same. Two two wins. And then that takes yeah. us into the game against Cavs. Uh, I think it works out to be Christmas Eve for us. So it's like Saturday night, mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Um few injury concerns for them. They've just lost. Yeah, uh, a bit of disarray at the moment, aren't they? Garland and Mobley, but I think they still pulled out a win last night against Rockets, I believe it was. Um, yeah, we didn't do very well against them last year. We lost all no. four, didn't we? Yeah. Time for revenge. Yeah. I'm going, going for the win. So am I. Three game win, no, four game win streak it'll be, won't it? Four game win streak. Again. And then that takes us into, I think it's, is it Boxing Day, the game on against Hawks? I think it works out to be uh, next Tuesday. That's St. Stephen's Day for any of our Irish listeners. We don't call it Boxing Day in Ireland. You've got St. Paddy's Day. Why do you need another St. Somebody's Day? (laughs) It's Catholic country. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting into that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't do politics and religion um <laughs> yeah. yeah hawks uh i think we we're about a game back from them at the minute mm-hmm. last time i looked is yeah, a game i think it was a game or half a game or something like that yeah um i know they won last night as well um it's a tough one to call i'll let you go first i'm gonna call it an l i'm gonna call it a loss I think we'll, well, we'll we'll have the four game win streak, and we'll be like, we're finally going to get five, and then we'll fall to the Hawks. Right. Well, just because of that, I'm going to go positive, and okay. we'll get the five game win streak. So, four dubs in the next four games. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hopefully, we're sitting here talking about four losses. Well, yeah, it depends who you ask if it's going to be nice or not, because there's a lot of negativity after that Sixers win last night. There is. But anyway, so yeah, like I say, um, not 100% sure when we're going to be back. Could be next week, could be the week after, could be in the new year, basically. Um, However, like I say, we will be watching the games, so you can keep up with us on Twitter and wherever else. And yeah, until next time, I've been Matt and... Once again, appreciate Mo for hopping on with us. Um, and you can find me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at MattCRedUK. And you can find us on all the socials at CRedUK. And you can find me on Twitter at NeilCRedUK. On behalf of both Matt and myself and the Fans First Sports Network, thanks once again to everyone for tuning in, whether you're watching or whether you are listening. Please do subscribe, rate and review and give us the thumbs up on YouTube. It does help us to keep providing you with the content from both of us. Do remember it's a Chicago Bulls thing wherever in the world you are supporting this now amazing team. Until next time, <laughs> see red people and go Bulls. Percolator. It's time for the percolator.